0: Good morning, church. Uh, Welcome this morning as we gather in this uh, sort of way via the video. As you know, we have canceled the gathering for the celebration service this morning, but we want to use this opportunity to share a bit together through a number of scriptures, particularly related to an announcement that we have this morning. We'll come to that in just one moment. But before uh, we begin, first of all, just know the elders love you, and we uh, miss the opportunity to gather together this morning, even with those who are able to gather in this room. And uh, we're praying for you, we're praying for the whole of the congregation, and we intend and are praying toward gathering again, uh, hopefully by next week. And uh, so let's begin our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that you are the Lord God and we, we trust you. Just as 2 Corinthians has been teaching us, we trust you for your purposes in our lives in this time in which we are living. We trust you that you are sovereign and that in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our lack of knowledge, in the midst of our need, that you are the sovereign God You are working for your glory and that your grace truly is functionally sufficient right in the midst of our weakness. Lord, we trust you for this. We pray that you would walk with us in these next few moments that we have to spend together. That you would teach us by your word. That you would gather your church for your purposes coming in the next months. And that you would glorify your name in our midst and make your name known in our community So that the lost would be saved and your church would be encouraged in our faith as we are following after you in discipleship. Thank you, Lord. We trust you for these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. As I mentioned, we have uh, an announcement that we'd like to share this morning. And really, I have to begin there in order to give the message that I'd like to share with us uh, a bit of context. We're going to come back next week to Second Corinthians and finish up our time in that letter before moving on to a series entitled, uh, The Psalms of Ascent, An Approach to God, and uh, really looking forward to that time as well as wrapping up our time in Second Corinthians. But really, this morning has provided an opportunity for us to um, offer a scriptural context for our announcement. Um, in recent weeks, our celebration services here in the Connection Room have been reaching maximum capacity. It's, it's becoming evident, something that we've known has been coming for a while, that we need to take steps as a gathering church to make provision for that gathering. But up to this point, as we've looked into that and we've been praying toward that, we really haven't had an answer for how it is that we could gather together in one place. Now, just a week and a half ago, on September 10th, I received a message from Bill Adams. And as a staff member for with Bridges for Peace, Bill had learned that Central Life Church was moving out of a leased space that they shared with Bridges for Peace, a space that's uh, near Pineda. We're, at this point, calling it the Pineda location at uh, 5995. North Wickham Road. The facility was originally built by Temple Beth Shalom, and it was built to be a Jewish day school. Now, over the last few years, it's been leased by Central Life and Bridges for Peace. Upon hearing the news of Central Life's move out of that facility and with a personal awareness of Cross Point Coast's need for a facility for gathering, Bill gave me a call. Now, This message sent into motion a a swift series of events over the coming days, and it's been amazing to watch how God has worked in the midst of these circumstances. Uh, Myself and the elders have been able to work with the leadership of Central Life Church, with the leadership of Temple Beth Shalom, as well as Bridges for Peace, to negotiate a plan that provides abundantly for everyone involved. We've had the opportunity to bring a few uh, people in the church through the facility to take a look and to give us some counsel. We've begun to ask uh, you to pray with us. And what we want to do this morning is share three phases for our uh, moving into this facility. The first phase is October 2020. Uh, We have the opportunity to begin using the facility, the Pineda location, in October that's just two weeks from now for our celebration services, and as well as for a few of our other events in October. We have, we'll have, in October, one month to experience the space, see how it fits our needs, and prepare for moving in. This is what we've agreed to at this point. Then, as October, as we discern during the course of that month, we'll have the opportunity to move into Phase 2, which begins in November. And continues on through March 2021. On November 1st, uh, Cross Point Coast will have the opportunity to begin subleasing from Central Life Church. And at that time, we'll finalize the move to, to vacate this facility as well as uh, some of the stuff that we still have at Manatee Elementary School and finalize that move to the Pineda location. Uh, During the course of those months, we'll have, again, the opportunity to discern how that space uh, meets the needs of the gathered church and our mission in the county. And by April 2021, we'll have the opportunity to move into phase three. Uh, Now, during that phase one, obviously, we'll be negotiating a multi-year lease with Temple Beth Shalom, uh, who are the owners of that property, and uh, we would just ask that you would pray for the elders and pray f- uh, for Temple Beth Shalom and for Central Life and for Bridges for Peace. That all of us will have the wisdom that we need in order to, to walk well and serve one another. Uh, walk as good neighbors in the county uh, as we uh, discover what is wise for moving through these three phases. Know this, we're calling the church to prayer but we're also calling the church to share, share with the elders. Give myself or Matt or Mark or Joel a call, and we would love to talk with you about um, any thoughts, any concerns, any excitement you may have as we move into these days. We really do believe that God has provided in a, in a powerful way. One of the images that's come to my mind uh, in the past week and a half, it's hard to believe it's, it's only been that long, and yet so much has happened in these days is when someone gives you a gift when someone has been uh, operated in kindness toward you and provided something for you what do you say well you say thank you right well what i feel like what we're doing and this is good is we've received a good gift from god but we're asking god a lot of questions like he just gave us a new car and we say well Uh, Is this the right car? Is it the car that we should receive in order to go to this place or that place? And to be honest, that's wisdom to discern whether or not this really is God's right provision in this particular moment. But at the same time, there has been a great deal in, in myself and the elders and in others that we've spoken with that really the primary response that we have to this opportunity is simple. God has provided a gift, and we Say thank you. A couple of uh, just details that we want to share with you before turning to the word together. In October, there's a number of calendar items. We're going to send out the calendar items to you uh, via a link in just a little while. You may even already have it now. Um, and Really, the calendar items begin before our first celebration service on October 3rd. The Women's Discipleship will be gathering on on October 3rd um, at 8.30 a.m. at the facility for their first Women's Discipleship gathering uh, this fall. Then on October 4th, we'll be gathering for celebration service. Following the celebration service, immediately we'll continue into a continuing... Um, the celebration at the facility, inviting you to bring uh, a picnic lunch. There's a, a wonderful connection room as well as uh, a, a courtyard where we can uh, experience social distancing and um, and uh, still be together in one place. Uh, as you could see in the previous uh, picture, there's a, the room is really quite sufficient for our gathering. We do expect to have space for... Cro- uh, For CP Kids, Uh, we expect to have three classrooms that will provide a good deal of space for each one of those kids with two adults in each classroom. Uh, That CP Kids will run through, I believe, first grade. We're still working on the details, and we'll communicate that with you closer to October 4th. Uh, We do expect the celebration service will be at 10 a.m. with the continuing the celebration following shortly thereafter at about 1130. Uh, And like I mentioned, you should bring a picnic lunch. There's a number of other calendar items during the course of October, and I would love it if you would start marking your calendar now for those things. We do want to mention some of the financial estimates that come along with this announcement. Uh, The first is really a great deal of Thanksgiving goes into this. The cost of the rent for the Pineda location is almost identical to the rent that we pay here for the offices and connection room plus Manatee. Uh, that really is amazing uh, that we can move forward with that rent without even needing to adjust the budget. Uh, that said, we will need to raise roughly $2,000 per month in additional funds for utilities, upkeep, maintenance, and other uh, other utility items. And so we'll communicate some of the ways that we are hoping to raise those funds per month, and we'll have some additional expenses to Uh, work out some of the furnishings and other move-in costs. Uh, Really, in October, we're going to function much like a portable church, much like we have in the past. And then moving into November, we'll need to make some of those furnishings purchases. And so we'll keep you up to date on how that works in the coming weeks. Uh, So let's thank God. Let us thank the Lord for this provision. Let us ask him for wisdom as we move forward. That said, uh, we want to use the next few moments together to seriously consider what does this mean? What does a location, and particularly a beautiful facility like this, mean for our mission? Are we moving? Are we becoming something different by this move? What we want to do is we want to go back to what has been called across Point Coast, the five-fold strategy for mission. And remind ourselves that our strategy, purpose, our our being, who we are in this county doesn't change at all. It can't change because who we are is not defined by where we are or even how we are able to gather. Who we are in this county is defined by God's work in redemption and his commission of the church in mission, a mission of worship, discipleship, and evangelism or disciple-making in the community. So we want to walk through these five-fold strategy for mission, looking at five different scriptures to hopefully serve as a revisioning so that when we move into this facility, we go in there with a clear understanding of who we are in the community, that the church does not become a building because the church uses a building, but rather our existence in the county is as a redeemed people. We see this very quickly. The first strategy for mission is gathered gospel celebration. One of the ways that we express this is that the body gathers to remember the ground of the gospel and to celebrate the fruit of the gospel. When I was ordained in ministry, I was ordained as a minister of word and sacrament. And the reason was because we believe that the word preached and the gospel remembered in communion is all according to the word and is sufficient for the transformation of the human heart. That the word of God applied to us by the gift of the spirit in faith is sufficient for our salvation and transformation. This is what some theologians call the ordinary means of grace. The miracle that happens when a person has moved from death to life happens by means of Of the preaching of the word and the rightly remembering of the gospel as it's received by faith. The preaching of the word that takes place in your households when you open up the scriptures. The preaching of the word that takes place as you're leading your, your neighbors or your children or your friends to know Christ. The preaching of the word that happens when we gather like this. Even via video, the preaching of the word can be effective as the spirit works in the heart. I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Now, you know how hard that is to obey, right? How hard it is to obey the instruction, flee from idolatry and sin. The fact is, We shouldn't have a hard time remembering how hard it is to flee from idolatry just by remembering how easy we find content for our prayer of confession. Flee from idolatry? How? He continues, I speak as to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not participation in the blood of Christ? He's speaking of communion. The bread that we we break, is it not participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. Now it begins with this call, this call to flee idolatry. And then it tells us how. It doesn't just beat us over the head with, really man, stop it. It, it, it's not a word of law for the people. It's a word of the gospel. It's not that we celebrate in communion and say, get your act together before you do this, or else you won't be able to participate. Rather, he says, flee from idolatry, and then tells us how we flee from idolatry. We flee from idolatry by remembering the truth that we remember in communion, by remember the truth of the gospel that we preach. You see, idolatry is a lie. Sin offers us things that it can't provide. Idols are inept. They offer nothing. And so the way that we counteract this, the, the lie of idolatry is to remember the truth, the truth that we preach and we remember in communion together. We remember the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, our Savior, that is sufficient for our salvation and the transformation of our lives as his disciples. This is the truth that we remember and by which we flee idolatry. And there's also this reminder in this scripture that we who are many are one body. There's a necessary gathering of the church in order for the church to remember well. We've learned this during the course of the coronavirus, that this scattering has not served the church well. It's so difficult to remember that we are a people if we're not together as a body. We don't take communion off on our own in a corner. We take communion together to remind us that we gather around one table, eating of one bread. We have one supply. And our supply is Jesus Christ, who is crucified on our behalf. And because we have one supply, we are one body. Notice the words of the passage. It uses the words participate or partake. We are together. Active participants in the gathering and the remembering and the celebrating. Active participants as we gather to share in Christ. It's essential that we remember as we move into a facility, as we fight to discover how in the world can we gather again in the midst of a pandemic, that we are a gathered body. Now, I need to make one more note before we continue on, a note regarding the gospel and its fruit. I often talk about how the celebration service is a service in which we're celebrating what God is doing in our midst, but I want to draw a distinction between the gospel and its fruit. I think it's a very significant distinction that's not always made. Let me put it this way. A holy life is not the gospel. Grace-filled churches are not the gospel. Communities of justice are not the gospel. Communities where we forgive one another or love one another or share one another's burdens or love our neighbors, none of these things are the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ. The gospel is Christ and him crucified, him resurrected, and the announcement of what that work has accomplished for all who place their faith in his name. What is the gospel? We are not the gospel. Christ is. Our lives are not the good news. Christ and his work in the gospel is what we announce. Gospel fruit is the reality of what God in Christ has accomplished, growing up into reality in our lives as we receive what he has done by faith. That's the fruit of the gospel. So we have to be careful as we celebrate all these things. We have not yet celebrated the gospel until we say that these things that we've seen in our community groups or in our gatherings or in our mission in the community are the fruit of the power of Jesus Christ, his life, death, resurrection, and reign. You see how that works? It's a subtle shift. We can go around boasting in ourselves and all that we have done and say, look what God has done through us. But we must realize that what he has done in our midst is the fruit of what he has alone done in the cross and resurrection. And that we are united to that work by the grace of faith. The body gathers to remember the ground of the gospel of Christ crucified and to celebrate the fruit of that gospel at work in our lives, all to the glory of God. We are a gathered people, but we are also a scattered gospel community. A missional church, a church that has received a mission from our God, requires missional household scattered in mission. I would offer this scripture for us, First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. You are a chosen race. Why did he do that? Why did he, why did he choose a people for himself? Why did he create a community, this gathering, this people? Well, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What do we do when we gather and when we scatter? Our business is to make him known, to make his gospel known. The gospel that has united us as a people is the gospel that sends us into our community to celebrate his excellencies. Even as we scatter about our county, we exist as a chosen people. This is who we are. We're a family, a chosen race, a new people with a new father, God our father. Christ our brother. This is a whole new family. It's more than just an extended family. It's the new family. It's a family that is going to remain long after our earthly family is gone. Because we have God, the eternal God as our father. We have Christ as our brother in, in, in most intimate of relationships. And we scatter in mission By the sending of our Father, by the work of Christ our brother, and the power of the Spirit of God who has been given to us. We are a family who has been given a commission. A commission to scatter as gospel witnesses. To proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us. Now this strategy this means a faithful expression of what God has done in creating a family doesn't it isn't exclusive to our gospel community groups or a meal in which we would gather on a particular night of the week or a bible study that may take place via Zoom these days it doesn't begin with Wednesday nights it actually begins day after day when we scatter we scatter to Christ, not first to one another or even to a mission. We scatter to Jesus. We scatter early in the morning to be shaped and formed by Christ and his word so that we gather when we gather and when we participate in mission, we know we are Christ's people as we're reminded morning after morning. It's one of the reasons why we launched the Bible Together Journal as a tool to give to the church to scatter into, to remind us that we go with Christ and his word, his spirit at work within us every day. Let me put it another way. It may sound harsh, but it's true. And we would do well to hear it. Sometimes rebuke is exactly what we need to teach us as a church. I don't think that we will ever get truly missional gospel communities if we don't have missional gospel households that have been saturated by the word. There's nothing that any group of elders, there is nothing that any staff or community group leaders could do to make us a church on mission if the households who are the church are not saturated by the word of God, are not a a gospel people, a people truly of the book, but will never be on that mission without the word. So as we receive the word daily, we go as a people who are sent to love one another and our community. What we need is we need a gospel motivation. And we need gospel transformation that happens only by the word. We who have been gathered in celebration are going to scatter to the word. And that word gives us a word that we proclaim in our communities. We are a gathered people, it's true. But we are also a people who are scattered in mission. The third strategy for mission, and really this is the strategy that drove me to want to share with you this morning in the context of our moving into a facility, the third very important strategy for mission is that disciples are the face of the church. Let me tell you, church, I would love it if we would memorize that. I would love it if I was walking through the hallway of the Pineda location in coming weeks, months, and years, and I heard people using that phrase. Disciples are the face of the church. The church is made up of disciples together making disciples. Buildings, billboards, signs, logos are not, The face of the church. Churches, this is important, churches, certainly church buildings, but not even some idea of uh, an institution. Churches don't make disciples. Now that should shake us up just a little bit. Really? Churches don't make disciples? Isn't that the church's job to make disciples? Well, that's the mission of the church. It's our our shared mission as a church given to us by our God to make disciples. But churches don't make disciples. Disciples make disciples. The Lord Jesus sent his disciples to go and make disciples. I hope I'm making disciples right now of my own heart, of my household and all the other households who are gathered this morning to hear this video, that we are making disciples together. We'll go to John 13, verse 35. By this, we'll all know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This one another love happens in personal relationship. Not in in some sort of big idea of, of the church. It happens in very relationally connected disciples who are the church by God's grace. It's certainly one another love doesn't happen because there's a people in a building, or a nice logo on the building, or a sign out front. It says you're loved by the church who are disciples. You know their names. You know their faces. You know how they've loved you and the evidence that we are truly disciples of Jesus is not our structures, is not our gatherings, is not our celebration service or our community groups, It's not our strategies or our Bible together journals. It's our love for one another that reminds us that we have been loved by our God. What is the face of the church? How will People gather. How will people know to gather with the saints from neighborhoods and workplaces in our community? How will they know who the church is and and how they could gather with the church? Is it by an announcement or a Facebook advertisement or a sign out front of a building that we finally have the opportunity to move into? Is that how we'll finally have a presence in the community? All people will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another, Jesus says. Your love for one another is the face of the church. It is the advertisement. It's the sign by which the community will know that we are the church. Not because we have a name, a logo, and a place to gather. Anybody can do that. But the evidence that the gospel is true, that the word is present, that the spirit is at work, is that God has infected us with his love. If we have anything at all that is impressive, and let me tell you, church, there is so little that is impressive about this church. If we have anything that is actually impressive, it's that we love one another because Christ has loved us. It's about all we got, but it's good and it's sufficient because we have the gospel. It's something that the world has never truly seen, the love of Christ at work in the midst of a people. That love, a gospel-compelled love, is compelling to a community. I want to quote a few words from our vision meeting back in 2015, five years ago the last time we walked through all five of these in a celebration service. Here's what I said then, five years ago. Now, let's say someday we have a building. Let's say that Cross Point Coast has a celebration center, we might call it. It's a great facility. It's got room for celebration. It's got staff space. It has a place for the elders to meet. We have Bible study space for some of the bigger groups, and partnership course can happen there. I think it might happen someday. I don't know when, but it might. But even then, may that building not be our face. When people think of Cross Point Coast, don't think of a building. Don't think of a logo. Don't think of a website. Don't think of the signage. I want the face of the church to be you. Your face. Because you are the ones that our community and our neighbors have seen loving one another and loving them because of the way that you have sought to increase the joy of our fellowship by inviting others who are far off to be brought near, guests in the household with a prayer that they would become family themselves by grace through faith. Friends, disciples are the face of the church. And the church is disciples together Worshipping our God and making disciples. Now, I want to walk very briefly through the two remaining strategies. The fourth strategy is fruitful multiplication. We believe that faithfulness will produce fr- fruitful multiplication as households and as a church. This fourth strategy for mission is really simply an overflow of God's power at work in our gathering and our scattering. We are actively seeking to be shaped by the word and to be made into disciples in our communities, our workplace, our households, and our gatherings and in our scatterings. It's not by our gathering. It's not by our scattering. It's just what God does. We cannot produce fruit, but rather we can celebrate and remember God and his gospel. His words at work among his people. It's astounding when he does work there. It's miracle. Every time it happens, I'm almost not even surprised anymore. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. He does miracles. He's God. He saves. He transforms. This is just what he does. You see, faithfulness will produce fruitful multiplication as households and as a movement by the grace of God so that we may boast in him alone. I would take us to Mark chapter 4. Just retell the parable briefly. In Mark chapter 4, we have a farmer. He goes out into a field. He scatters seed. He's kind of willy-nilly about it, scattering everywhere. Some of it falls on a path. Some on rocky soil. Some lands in a soil that's choked by thorns. Some of it lands on some fruitful soil. It seems to be somewhere off to the side. What we see is that... the not a lot of seed actually takes root. A lot For a lot of the seed, nothing really happens. Nothing really grows up. Certainly nothing fruitful and lasting. But there's some seed that falls on fertile soil that the Lord has prepared by his Spirit. By some miracle of agriculture, the seed grows up into a plant. This plant grows into a large fruit-bearing plant that bears more seed that would go further into the field and find further fertile soil and grow up in the miracle of multiplication this is what jesus says in mark four twenty. but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 60 and 100 fold what's the message for the disciples Jesus is encouraging the disciples in this parable. He's saying, look, I'm calling you to go out and sow seed all over the place. And I don't want you to be discouraged when you find that not a whole lot grows up. In fact, it looks like more often than not, the word is ineffective. I don't want you to be discouraged when you see that it takes a while for the seed to become a little seedling and then for it to grow. But then you'll see something, something miraculous. You will see 30, 60, 100-fold miraculous fruitfulness when that Word grows up in soil that is prepared by the Spirit. It's a miraculous work. So what's the message for the disciples? What's the message for the church? That we would go and sow the Word, not discouraged, but encouraged. Encouraged. By the word of God and expectation of the movement of the Holy Spirit. There will be those who wake up in the morning and say, How, Lord, today would you have me sow the word? And Lord, would you work the miracle of causing that word to take root? And there will be days when we see ourselves, our household, and our community here, and believe by the grace of God. And on that day, we will rejoice. Let's move to the fifth strategy for mission. The fifth strategy we call incarnational. This last one is probably the most difficult to explain, but I'll explain it briefly. What's difficult about it is it runs counter to the way that we usually do things. The incarnational strategy goes like this. Don't institutionalize what can be embodied. Don't institutionalize what God has made a body, what God has made a very normal, fleshy thing. The word incarnate literally means in the flesh or in the body. I use the word incarnational carefully. It can easily and often be misused. I'm not a big fan of the way it's often used. Why? Because only Jesus is God incarnate. Only Jesus is God in the flesh. The church is not God incarnate. Only the face of Christ, only in his face do we see the glory of the invisible God made visible. Jesus is the image of of the invisible God, the scriptures tell us. Only Christ, God incarnate, could live righteous, die as our substitute, and rise for redemption. The church can't do that for anybody. Jesus already did it. This is the gospel that we proclaim. And yet, Christ has made the church his body. The church is the body with Jesus as our head. If we are the church, we are his body. Christ has made us his expression in the world. Elsewhere, ambassadors. Elsewhere, ministers of reconciliation. This is our business in the world as the body of Christ to make our head known. Let's go to John 13. John 13, verses 14 through 15. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. In John 13, Jesus didn't begin a foot-washing ministry. Instead, he embodied love and kindness and service. He doesn't want the church to set up foot washing kiosks at the back of the church. He doesn't want to create a registry and a list and a website to make sure everybody's feet got washed. He doesn't want us to institutionalize a foot washing ministry. What does he want us to do? He wants us to go and wash dirty feet. It's really simple. He wants us to go with gospel proclamation as a people who have been washed ourselves, transformed ourselves, and love one another and love our neighbors. It's that simple. Jesus is not commanding us to have clean feet by any means necessary to develop pragmatic assembly line efficiency just to get feet clean. He's instructing the church to embody humility, love, sacrifice in the dailiness of life. So let me cast the vision this way. The world doesn't find it hard to slander the church. It's easy to badmouth the church. Honestly, there's a lot to badmouth in this institution of the church. But if you show me... A believer in a community loving their neighbor well, bringing bread to a neighbor who just moved in, telling the neighbor that you pray for them also, and asking, how can you pray this week? That neighbor may find it easy to slander the church, whatever that is, but they're going to have a hard time slandering the person who has loved them well because the face of the church is your face. The love of Christ has been embodied in your life and in the life of the community in the church that walks with you. You've actually loved them in a very normal, embodied, daily sort of way. Even as you have shared with them about sin and salvation and prayed for them and prayed with them, you've shown that the church is a common people shaped by a miraculous word. This is what it means that we are a church who are incarnated, who are in the flesh, walking out what we have received from our head, Jesus Christ. We are a congregation of gathered gospel celebration, scattered gospel community where disciples are the face of the church, and we pray that we would see fruitful multiplication in the midst of a people embodying a transformed life by means of the grace of God received with faith. This is who we are. And friends, that doesn't change with the announcement of a move to a new facility. May the Lord keep us with his word. May his gospel always be what defines who we are. We are a good news people, not just because it's what we say, but it's because what we have received. May we continue as a gospel people boasting in the Lord alone. As we turn together in prayer, I would encourage us to just a few things. I would encourage us, first of all, to ask, are you a gospel person? Have you heard the grace of God? Do you know that you're a sinner in need of grace and that apart from that grace, you are rightly condemned by your God? But because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you may be forgiven of your sin and given new life in him to follow after Christ as his disciple? Do you know the gospel? Are you a person who belongs to Christ? If not, I would call you this morning to believe, to place your faith in the grace of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. Let us never forget that we must begin there. And from that foundation as a gospel people, do we believe that that is who we are? None, uh, uh, no websites, no Vimeo sets of videos, no ability to gather again, no new location changes who we are as a gospel people. And I would then call us to pray that we would use this new gift of God not to make much of ourselves, not to begin to boast in our ability to do lots of new things, but as a simple common people, we would leverage this gift of God to show the miracle of His grace in our everyday lives. And let us thank God. Let us thank Him for a good gift, even as we ask Him for wisdom in how to move forward in the coming weeks and months. I would ask us, uh, even right now, to spend a moment in prayer. I'm going to close us in prayer. But you may even want to continue in prayer in your households. I would invite you to do that. Participate with me. And then continue in prayer. In your households as the Lord would leave you, would lead you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace this morning. We thank you that you are at work in our midst. We thank you that you have given us a clear gospel word to proclaim, that you've given us your scriptures by which we know what is your gospel word. And we confess together it is good news, I pray that you would save the lost. I pray that you would convict even someone who is watching this video this morning of their need for you to confess their sin, to receive your grace, And to follow after you in faith. Spirit, I ask that you would give that gift. And Lord, I pray that you would guard us. Guard us by your word and spirit in the coming days. That we would not redefine ourselves by what our culture would so easily celebrate as strength. But Lord, that we have a home and it's better than a location off of Pineda and Wickham. We have a home, and it is wherever our God is. More importantly, you have made a home with us. So you are at work in neighborhoods and households this morning. Even as the church is unable to gather, you have already gathered to us as we are scattered. Lord, I pray that you would use us as your face in the coming hours. We would consider if there's someone we should gather with, even for lunch. We would consider if there's someone that we should meet at a park to spend time with, to invest in, to love, to pray for, and to share the gospel with. Lord, we we pray that you would embody your mission, your proclamation, in this people, in this county, along with the other churches who are here, that we are together, the body of Christ. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this provision. You reached out so recently to show us this opportunity, and we rejoice. We do pray that you would give us wisdom in the coming days and weeks, make us wise as a people together, and help us to walk in faithfulness, that we would not proclaim our excitement, but we would proclaim your kindness to provide for your people. May we not boast in ourselves, but may, may we who are weak, who know ourselves to be who we are apart from you, rejoice that you are strong. Your grace is sufficient and your power is made known in our weakness. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you would teach us how to pray, even then in the next few moments, that we would pray for the needs of the congregation, We would pray for those who are sick. We would pray for those who are scattered in mission. We would pray for our global mission partners. Lord, that you would bring this, even use this gift of kindness for a facility to remind us to ask you for good gifts for the mission of your church, your glory, and our good. Thank you, Lord. We trust you in the name of Jesus. We pray all these things. Amen. Friends, thank you for gathering in this way. Thank you for participating and watching this video. We do hope that you will talk amongst yourselves, that you will pray together, that you'll search the Scriptures for how we can be wise in the coming days, that we would find wisdom in the Word not just in our own minds, and that you would be well, that the Lord would truly be with you this morning. Even as we are unable to gather, the Lord has made his home with his church. Let us rejoice in that. Let us go with confidence, knowing that we belong to our God and he's provided for us in his grace. And so, I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you, That the Lord would make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen? Now, go and be the church that God has made us by his grace. Amen.